In my first two Sundays with you, we've been looking at this one chapter in the Bible in very particular verses. There's the, there are these short letters called 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and we're focused just on chapter 4 of 1st John, that first letter. Verses 7 to 21, to get more particular. And today, we're going to look even closer at verses 17 to 21. But the overall deal is, you know, the Beatles really did have it right in their song, All We Need Is Love. You know, all we need is love, love, love is all we need, right? You got it. But here's the deal. It's not just any old love that we need. We need the love of God, almighty God, who loves us, and so we can love him and we can love others. You know, these three messages have been fashioned on our church's purpose, which is to be people who grow in faith in Jesus as we live together in community, sharing our very lives with one another while breaking bread and praying for and with each other and walking through the ups and the downs of our life together. And we look up to the Lord, learning how to follow Jesus as we engage in in Bible study with one another, in prayer, in spiritual renewal, by the gift and the grace of the Holy Spirit at work in us to transform us, to change our lives from the inside out. And today we're looking at moving out together. How do we move out in community, either as a, a person of faith walking in, into your place of work or your school or your place where you go, or globally, like how, where, how, do we, how do we live in community and walk out into the community, out into the world, and be God's person in those places so we can be kingdom people, sharing the good news of the gospel in the multitude of ways that we're called to do. All of this holds together by the grace of God's love. So in our first Sunday together, we looked at verses 7 to 11, and we're called to love God and love one another. It's Jesus' greatest commandment when somebody says, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Love others. This is John's message. This is God speaking through the the writer John, the, the John who sat in a, on Patmos, an island, all by himself in a prison, writing, likely writing these letters to the church. He says, love God and love one another. And so God reveals this love to us through his son when he sends Jesus f- from heaven to earth, his one and only son, who shows us and teaches us what it is that love looks like, what it is that love does. Love looks like sacrifice. Love looks like unmerited, like undeserved grace when you lay down your life for someone. Jesus lays down his life for the whole world. Even though he himself was without sin, nonetheless, he went to the cross and died for our sins that we would receive God's forgiveness and be restored in relationship with the one who created us, who gives us life in the first place. Then we look back at verses 12 to 16, where we depend on 
God loving us first. And he does. He loves us first. And so then we can love him because his love abides in us and we abide in him. We can also love one another. You know, I prayerfully write these messages, which I hope God wants us to hear. And as I do, I'm always asking this so what question. Like, so what? So does this matter to any of us today? Does this apply to our lives today, dear Lord? How does it apply? The so what last week seemed to be God's love abides in us, and so we can love others and have confidence to be the people that God has called us to be as he abides in us, as his Holy Spirit is at work in us, empowering us and equipping us to, to be his people for our classmates, for our co-workers at our jobs, for those people in the places where we play and serve. God wants us to be his people in those places with those relationships. His love enables us to love and serve and show grace to the, to the very people that God puts in our lives where he takes us every day. So this week, we're honing in on, this, on these last few chapters in 1 John 4. 17 to 21, those verses. If you want to look in your Bible for yourself, take, take that Bible out in front of you. It's probably in a seat pocket somewhere or under, in a shelf or whatever, wherever it is, and go to 1 John. Now, I know 1 John, I did not say this earlier in the weeks, but I know this is not an easy book to find, but just here's the cheat sheet of it, okay? It's at the back of the Bible. It's, it's really toward the, almost the very end. The very last book of the Bible is Revelation. First, second, and third John are right before Revelation. So if you get there, and here's, go to page 1300. That's just the fast way to get there. Flip to page 1300. Flip before a few more pages to page 1303, and you'll see a big number four there. That means chapter four of First John. Flip one more page, go down to the little tiny numbers, and you'll see 17. That's where we're going to look today. 1 John 4, 17 to 21. I'll read it. You guys can follow along. Now to fully get, before I do that, to fully get the context of these verses, we got to just kind of take a quick glance at verse 16 that says, God's love, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in them. So here are the verses. Wow, that is small. Okay, I hope you've got it in your Bible in front of you because I'd be sunk right there. All right. By this is love perfected in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because he is also, because he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother or sister, whom he, cannot, who he has seen, he can't love God who he has not seen. And this commandment, we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother and sister. Can we pray together? Lord, we are completely dependent on your Holy Spirit to open up your word to us, to show us what, what we need to take home today, 
how you want to grow us and tweak us, change us, fully move us in a new way. Do what you will, Lord, so we can be your people wherever you send us. Lord Jesus, be with us now as we think about your word. Change us, we pray, in your name. Amen. Now there is a word with that we don't really like to talk about very much, do we? Judgment. Nowadays, judgment leads to really bad feelings about people. For some people, judgment uh, is, is such a condemning word that, you know, particularly people who may be outside the church may feel like, you know, those church people, they're judgmental. One of the biggest deterrents when we're inviting people to, to join us at church is the idea that the church is judgmental. No doubt. Church people can come across as judgmental in many ways. And it's a turnoff to those who are curious about Jesus. But they're pretty sure that while they're curious about Jesus, those church people won't accept me. They're judgmental. So I'm not going there. We can come across judgmental when we get so sure of ourselves, so sure of our rightness at times. And you know, I'm just drawn to prayer right there. Lord, let this be our prayer. Keep us from being judgmental. You are on the judgment seat. You are our judge. So help us to be people who are filled with your irresistible love that is welcoming and contagious. Oh, Lord, save us from being judgmental and taking on your job. But the, the word judgment here in 1 John is God's judgment actually on us, for us, as believers as we identify ourselves as followers of Jesus, John tells us right here that one day we will come before the Lord for judgment and God's loving work in us will be complete in us and we can have confidence in that day of judgment. As followers of Jesus, we can be confident in the day of judgment. You may be thinking, how do we know we'll survive that day of judgment? Easy. John gives us the answer right here. He will see, the Lord will see his love working in us. On that day of judgment, he'll see the love of himself working through you and me. Or will he see his love? working in us. Verse 18 says, freak not. Perfect love casts out fear. Don't be afraid because God's perfect love at work in you, being perfected in you, his love being perfected in you, casts out your fear, any fear that we might have of a bad judgment day. <laughs> God's love in us is being perfected. It's being worked out. We aren't perfectly loving all the time, are we? We aren't perfect at being loving. 
but God's love in you is being worked on, perfected. By God's grace, he knows us full well. He knows that we are each a work in progress. But by daily surrendering ourselves to the Lord, asking the Lord to to help you love everyone he places in your life that day, then God's love has a great possibility of being perfected in you. And I think you are going to be pretty good on Judgment Day. If you're surrendering your life every day to the Lord, then you won't have any reason for concern. See, the Holy Spirit is willing to work in you and me, all of us, to perfect his love in us. We need not fear that judgment. God's love is being perfected in us. So fear not, because perfect love casts out fear. Now, lest we get a little full of ourselves and rest on our laurels, on our good attitudes and our loving others, John reminds us we love only because God first loved us. And so John answers this question that we may ask, how can I be sure that God's love is in me and that his love is actually being perfected in me? How can I know that? And John writes, this is totally Holy Spirit stuff. I mean, the Holy Spirit was so on this guy. He says, if anyone says, I love God and then hates his brother or sister, he's a liar. If you act hatefully and unlovingly toward your brother or sister in Christ, who you can see, you're not loving God, who you cannot see. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? I mean, to call somebody a liar, to me that is harsh. That's harsh language. Hatred is really strong. And the word hate is pretty harsh also, isn't it? But this is exactly the word that John uses in his letter. If you hate your brother or sister. Oh. You know, and hate leads to some really bad behaviors, some crummy attitudes, some worse actions. Hate hurts. Hate hurts the whole church. Hate hurts each one of us. And it hurts our witness It hurts us as an example of God's love to those who live outside of the church, looking in at the church, looking in to see if I might want to be a part of that community. And if if what they see is hatred, they likely don't want any part of that. And hate hurts us in our relationships, doesn't it? When we act hatefully toward one another. So you can see that the way the church lives in love, in God's love, really, really makes a difference for the community itself, for those who are on looking out there in the world as they view us as followers of Jesus. But here's the grace of God in all of this for the church, for God's church. Again, God knows that we aren't perfect at this love thing. That's why he sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. But Jesus came even more, came for even more than that. More, yes, dying for our sin on the cross, making us in right relationship with our Father in heaven. Absolutely. But Jesus 
came for more than that. He teaches us how to live in this world, which matters very much to God, how we live. As Christians, we aren't just waiting for heaven. That would be a waste of our, our lives if all we were doing was sitting around waiting for heaven. As Christians, we're learning how to live like Jesus, live in God's love, and, and share our lives with others who may not yet know him. But we live by example. We are the very examples of people who need God's love and forgiveness. I bet you're the same as me. I need many, many, many second chances because I messed this up. I mess this loving things, loving thing up. I mess up loving others as I would love myself. I mess up loving others because God's told me to. I mess that up and I need second chances. I bet you do too. Those second chances are all opportunities for God's love to be perfected in us. So he's not condemning us when he messes up, when we mess up. He's saying, get back on the horse and go seek forgiveness or go be forgiving. People who live in God's love, we mess it up. We don't do it right all the time in every instance. But you know what Jesus' people do? Jesus' people admit when we've hurt someone. We ask forgiveness. You know what Jesus' people do? When we've been hurt, we show grace and mercy because we mess up. Even when we're blind to it, when we don't even know what we've done wrong, we seek reconciliation as Jesus' people. I, I believe in the power of the cross that broke the stronghold of sin in my life, in our lives. It's the power of God at work as Jesus took on my sin, on our sin, upon his cross, upon that cross he died on. And I'm not above needing his cross. I need Jesus. I need his grace and mercy and forgiveness. I need it every single day. Michael will tell you. Do you need his cross? Do you know that you need his cross? If you do, then you realize that there are people whom God has put in your life who also need that same grace, mercy, and forgiveness that comes not from you, not from me, but from the perfect Son of God, Jesus, who died on the cross for the world. And his perfect love is at work in you if you let him live and abide in you and as you live and abide in him. John is telling us, if we love God and in doing so love others, whoever God puts in our lives, then we needn't be afraid of that day of judgment. And this commandment we have from him, John writes, whoever loves God must love his brother and sister. It's not a suggestion. It's not a good idea. It is a commandment of the Most High God. Love God, love one another. Now let's dig in a little bit and say, so what 
difference does this make? What if our reputation around the neighboring community and in Peoria, Illinois, was that Northminster Presbyterian Church is a group of people who love and forgive one another because we realize that God's love for us, loves us, forgives us, and God loves and forgives the world through his son Jesus. What if the story of Northminster is that there are, they, they, those people are Jesus people who, who love and forgive and humbly ask for forgiveness, seeking reconciliation when things go sideways. Does that new story begin with you as God's person? Will that story unfold with us collectively as a whole church? Now here's where we dig in even a little further and we bring it home. Maybe there's somebody in your family. Maybe there's a neighbor. Maybe there's a coworker, even a, a friend at church or a used-to-be friend at church. And the Lord's saying, make a phone call. Invite them to meet you for coffee. Write a note of apology to somebody you may have hurt. Do you need to ask for their forgiveness? Do you need to be forgiving and let it go? Trusting that, God, you will heal this up. Maybe it's really personal in your own family. Maybe you're estranged from somebody in your own family or or a friend that you've had for a long time, and now you're estranged, and it's time for you to love them like Jesus loves them. Maybe it's us as a church that we need to forgive one another for something where we've stepped on each other and hurt one another. I don't know. That's the Holy Spirit's business between you and with our church. Maybe it's time that we make that phone call, have that coffee, write that letter, and show the love of Jesus. Be the love of Jesus right here. Jesus even said on his cross, he said, Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. See, we all have these blind spots. And the thing about blind spots is we don't even know we've got them. Maybe we got to become aware. Can we be a church who loves with God's love? That's a love that we welcome people, we rejoice over people when they come to find Jesus and experience his love. What if Northminster's reputation was that we are God's people who love everybody without hesitation, without condition, because God, God's love is just this way. Think about what God can do in your life. If you were known as the guy or girl on your school campus who cares about people just because God loves them, what if that was how you were known on your school campus? 
What if you were known as the co-worker who builds bridges, who builds people up instead of causing division or being a part of the division in your office? What if you were known as, I don't know, you know, the pickleball player or the, the teammate who doesn't criticize anybody on the team or in the league, and everyone wants to be your partner because when they mess up, when you mess up, you shrug it off and say, hey, we're having fun here. Let's go together. And everybody wants to be your partner on the pickleball court. What if that was your reputation because you love Jesus and you love others? What if someone comes to know Jesus or comes back to church because you reached out to them with this unconditional, overwhelming love of the Lord. When we do this, I truly believe that God will use you, 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 all of us collectively for his kingdom purpose, which is to, you know, watch God do his reconciling work for people who are hurting, who are estranged from the church or estranged from God because we've gotten in the way. We need not fear judgment because we know that God loves us and his love is at work in and through us when we live like this. Friends, brothers and sisters, let us Love God. And let us love one another. It is that simple. Can we pray? Lord Jesus, would you work your love in us so that you are made known in all the places we live and breathe and, breathe and move. Because you love us, Lord Jesus, help us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Help us to love our family members. Help us to love our friends. Help us to love people that we don't know that well, whether we're at work or school or in the places you send us each day. And Lord Jesus, would you work in us humility to reach out in love, asking forgiveness and being forgiving people. May your love so freely flow from us to everyone we touch. And Lord, we pray this in the name of the one who can do this through us. We totally depend on you, Lord. Thank you for loving us first that we can love you and others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.